Well, praise the Lord. If you love Jesus this morning, say amen. All right, God bless you. You may be seated. And also, if you love your pastors, Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen, give a big shout. I've fallen in love with them, too. We had a wonderful uh, time out at Nome here a few weeks ago for the Nome Camp Meeting and Western Region Ministers Gathering. And it was truly a delight to be able to sit under their ministry and have fellowship with them around the table and visit and, and get to know one another better. Uh, Pastor Daniel and I met several years ago, and ever since we've met, you, you, there's just that kindred spirit, that inner witness of the spirit. Uh, how many of you realize that you don't have to have years to get to know somebody? That inner witness of the spirit will introduce you to a person pretty quick. And uh, his mom, Mary, this morning said, I just feel like I know you. Well, that's the inner witness of the Spirit, Mary. And we're so happy to have that with you as well. Praise God. Praise God. Don't you just love the Lord? Don't you love what he's doing? So precious this morning to be over at the new church property to see the building going up at 830. It was in the dark. Lights were on. Rain's coming down. But we sat in the car and had a moment of prayer and just asked God to continue to bless this miraculous adventure, to supply His abundant of finance that's going to be needed, and to always allow His presence to be real and rich on that property, and that angels would encamp around uh, that property, angels by day, a ring of fire by night, to keep the workers safe and not too long in the future. We'll see it erected for the glory of God. Dory and I, we came to Alaska 32 years ago when we made our move up. We moved to Nome, but before that, we got married. Praise God, I married a, my best friend. Um, she was in high school. Can I just tell a little bit of the story? She was a sophomore, and I asked her dad if I could marry her. He said we ought to wait a year. But if you feel like you can't, he said, don't sin. Let's have a wedding. Come talk to us. I'm thinking, all right, how does this work? <laughs> a few months from now when we feel like we're about to sin, do I go and say, hey, I'm about to sin with your daughter. Can we get married? But Dory, she said to her dad, yes, we can wait a year. And I'm like, Ugh. so we waited a year, one year. And I married her one week after her junior year. And yes, she finished high school. And no, she wasn't pregnant, praise God. You know, church people, there's something else. We got married, and they wanted to know when the baby was due. There was no baby until later. And so God gave us two wonderful children, Billy and Lindsay. We moved to Alaska. My son pastors in North Pole. My son-in-law pastors in Palmer. And now we have six grandchildren, all the way from four years up to 18 years. And we've been enjoying the adventure of a lifetime, enjoying the journey that God has had us on. We were in Nome for almost 12 years in Sitka, close to that same amount of time. And then God moved us into Anchorage, and we've been serving as a superintendent for the Alaska Assemblies of God for about the last 10 years. And we all give God glory and honor for every good thing that he's done in our lives and in our family. And we're so honored to serve, and we're so honored to be with you today. Our passage of Scripture that we'd like to read together this morning is found in Acts chapter 3, 
Acts chapter 3. To set this context up just a little bit, it was the beginning of the early church. They were in infant stages. Jesus had instructed his disciples to go into the city of Jerusalem and tarry and to wait for the promise of the Father. And upon his ascension into heaven, the two angels in white apparel said, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus that you see go away shall return in like manner. The disciples returned to the city of Jerusalem. They entered into the upper room. They waited for 10 days. They prayed. They sought God. And on the 10th day, God poured out His Spirit. Aren't you thankful on the day of Pentecost that God poured out His Spirit? He poured out His Spirit on the 10th day. And Peter rose up from that place and answered the question, What meaneth this? He said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he began to preach one of the great messages that we find in the Bible. And that day, 3,000 were added to the church. And now the disciples, they were on a journey. They were on a journey to fulfill the mission of God and to do what God had called them to do. And that's where our text picks up today, Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to pray. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Well, now that's some confidence and some boldness. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to take a glance in your word today to see how you empowered your early church. And today, God, as we consider the empowerment of your spirit, we pray that this word would just be rich in our hearts and lives. Let your anointing settle upon each and every one of us. God, we pray, Father, that you'll speak to us. Open our eyes so that we might understand how you would speak to us through this word today. God, we're so thankful for your word that's sharper than any two-edged sword. And we know, God, that it comes and transforms our minds and our thoughts. And we pray, God, that it would be an everlasting seed that will just be sown into the soil of our soul and change and transforms our, our lives. God, let us leave this place different from the way we came in, drawn closer to you, ready to do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about divine transforming power. But before we get started, consider with me, in the natural or in the carnal, oftentimes power is a tool of intimidation. It's used as a perk for people to get their ways, dominating, dictating, and even destroying. But this morning, that is not the power that we're speaking of. That's not the power we're talking about. We're talking about power in the kingdom of God. Power in the kingdom of God has a completely, entirely different purpose. 
the power Jesus promised and provided through the person of the Holy Spirit. It isn't power to intimidate. It isn't a power to impress. It's a power to have a divine, transforming impact on the hearts and lives of others. Commentator Lloyd Ogilvie, he puts it like this. He says, the power of Pentecost is for people. Aren't you thankful that it's for people? And it wasn't just for the people in Acts chapter 2, but it's been for all people ever since then. Aren't you thankful for that? What happened at Pentecost is for the paralysis of the world, Lord says. The Holy Spirit, Christ in the present tense, is for the healing of people in the present age. The excitement and enthusiasm of the infilling of the Spirit was to create a people through whom the Lord would continue His ministry of restoration and healing. He writes, a new age was born. Christ was alive in his people. And now they're equipped to do what he had done and the greater things that he had promised. Communicating his love and bringing people to him. So let's not miss this this morning. The power of Pentecost is for people. Turn to your neighbor and say, the power of Pentecost is for you. It's God's answer for the paralysis of the world. It's God's answer for the needs of Alaska. It's God's answer for the over 100 villages in Alaska that have no gospel witness. It's God's answer for the alcoholic, the drug addict, the destitute, the spiritually impoverished. It's God's answer for the world that needs Jesus Christ. So I want us to consider this this morning and ask ourselves these questions. Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to equip me for ministering to people in need? Are you allowing God to use you? Are you allowing God to empower you? Are you allowing God to set you apart for His purposes? Are you allowing God to be a vessel of honor and praise unto Him? Are the gifts of the Holy Spirit being used in my life and ministry? Am I allowing the demonstration of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow through me? To flow through me when I come together in church. I love the, 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 the corporate meeting where God can move and work. But it's not limited here. It's not restricted here. Oh, that God would move and work in our life groups, in our small groups, in our Sunday school classes. Oh, that God would move and work in your life and through your life, in the marketplace, in the community, where you work, where you go to school. Are you allowing God to move and work by His Spirit in your life? We see in Acts chapter 3, this purpose of Pentecost is being lived out in the lives of the disciples. And by studying the ways that the Holy Spirit used them, we can also find how that God wants to use us. He worked in them, He worked through them. And so today we're asking that God would cause this to become more alive in our lives than ever before. In Acts chapter 3, what happened? The author of this great book, the book of Acts, is Luke. Luke was a doctor. He offers a very detailed and descriptive analysis of this day in the life of of the disciples. And so let's look at this chart of events. Peter and John, they were on their way for afternoon prayers. Three o'clock in the afternoon, being obedient to God, going to the temple to pray. And all of a sudden, their tension is riveted upon this beggar who had been laid there at the gate from, from probably not the moment he was born, but from birth, his entire life, to ask for alms. 
because he could not use his legs. But this day, they can't miss his call or his need. Something, or literally someone, directs the apostles to stop and become agents of the miraculous in this man's life. Listen to me. God wants to use you as an agent for the miraculous power that he wants to give others. Luke uses medical terminology to describe a man who was crippled from birth. The word translated feet is only used by Luke, and it's found nowhere else in all of Scripture but right here. It's a technical term. It's a medical term that refers to the base or the heel of the foot. The term ankle or ankle bones is again a medical term found only here in all of Scripture. And then leaping up. It's an ancient medical phrase which describes the suddenness, putting the Scripture in context of a socket coming into place, the instantaneous healing of a joint. And suddenly, the man rose. Peter and John, they spoke healing to the man. Picture with me, they reached for him. He reaches for them. And instantaneously, he is healed by the power of God. A man who had never walked in his life, he begins to leap. He begins to dance through the temple court. And he begins to praise God. Crowds would gather. Listen to me, the miraculous will always draw a crowd. Some will come in curiosity. Some will come in criticism. Others will come rejoicing and say, what does this mean? And they'll want to experience what others are experiencing. In Acts chapter 4, the follow-up to this story, there was a time when they assembled themselves together and they prayed. And the Bible says God came and shook the place. And one of the things that they prayed, they said, Lord God, come and confirm your word, the word of God, with miracles, signs, and wonders. You see, the preaching and teaching and the declaration of the Word of God, when it's confirmed with miracles, signs, and wonders, it causes people to stop and listen. You know, I believe a miracle and a sign and a wonder is going to happen right over there on that hilltop. Just down the road from here, a church going up, people's going to say, what does this mean? What's this all about? Who is this King's Chapel? How are they getting this done? But I want you to know to the glory of God. People may ask, what does this mean? You'll have the answer. This man, he's crippled and limited from birth, and suddenly he's given liberty in life. Aren't you thankful for liberty? Aren't you thankful for the day that God gave you freedom in your heart and in your life? He freed you from your past. He freed you from sin. He set you on a new path. Aren't you thankful for life in Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Why did this happen? The first reason I believe that's very obvious to me is faithfulness. You see, God is looking for a faithful people. Note carefully, Peter and John, they were on their way to a time of prayer and praise. They were being faithful. They were being faithful to the call to pray. They were being faithful to praise and worship God. It was while they were being faithful to what they knew to do, then God worked miraculously through them. Listen, sometimes, guys, we just need to stay the course and do the stuff that God's called us to do and be faithful. We don't need to question why. We just need to be faithful. 
You see, the Holy Spirit directs us. Get in tune with the Holy Spirit and what He would say to your life. The journey that He would place you on. Be faithful to it. We need to remember this principle of guidance that if we do what we know, then we'll know what to do. Are you doing what you know? Are you doing the stuff? Are you staying in the Word? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Are you giving uh, your offerings and tithes unto the Lord? Are you being faithful? It was the Holy Spirit connectedness of the disciples that enabled them to be the right men in the right place for the right purpose. Be the right people for the right place for the right purpose. I believe you are. How have Dory and I been able to be faithful all of these years? It's because we had a spirit connectedness. We didn't always know for sure what to do, but the Bible teaches us that sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches us that, uh, that if we will pray in the Spirit, we'll move in the Spirit, we'll walk in the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, the book of Jude says we build up our most holy faith. So I don't know what to do, Pastor. We'll pray in the Spirit. That's why we need Spirit empowerment in our hearts and lives. When we do, not, when we do what we know, then we'll know what to do. They were faithful. They stayed the course and stuck with the stuff. They were focused. Verse 4 says that Peter and John looked at him intently. When was the last time you focused on the need of humanity, the need around you, the need in your community? Peter and John, they had undoubtedly passed this man before. Maybe they had went to the temple to pray with Jesus, and Jesus walked by this man as well. For whatever reason, Peter and John, maybe they had not always noticed him or just looked right at him. I can't help but believe after the day of Pentecost and they headed to go pray that they probably were having a conversation that day and Peter probably said to John, said, hey John, you know about that guy that's being laid every day at the gate beautiful? John says, yeah, and Peter says, get ready John because I think God's up to something today. They looked at him intently. They focused on him. Why do you think they focused on that man at this particular time? They couldn't ignore his call for help any longer. The Jesus Christ, by the power of God's Spirit, who had heard what others didn't hear and saw what others didn't see, the Jesus who was so incredibly interruptible was now in Peter and John. You see, Christ's focus became their focus. And they couldn't take their eyes off of this man who had God's focused attention. Maybe you're here today and you feel like people just look right through you or right past you. Maybe you're here today and you feel like nobody knows, nobody understands, nobody cares. They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know what my experiences are. Friends, I want you to know God knows and God cares. And God always has a plan for your life. He always has a purpose for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you need a miracle. God has a miracle for you. So we can't miss this. Our spirit-focused attention on an overlooked life is more life-changing than we can imagine. When we take time to focus on the needs of others, there's power in that. It blesses them. It lifts them up. 
Another reason that I believe this miracle occurred in Acts 3 is because of fullness. Verse 6 says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. The key phrase, but what I have. This phrase can also be translated, but what I have been given, I give to you. What had Peter and John been given? By the power of God's Spirit, they had been given these supernatural abilities. The Bible calls them gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts to meet the needs of humanity. Several gifts in this chapter were in operation. The gift of power was in operation. Faith, healing, and miracles were in operation. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. They're ministry tools or gifts for changing lives. You know, I've been praying and asking God for a revival, a restoration of the gifts of His Spirit all across our great state. You know, Paul wrote earnestly to covet. Paul wrote, covet earnestly the best gifts. In other words, go after the best gift. Pastor, what is the best gift? I believe the best gift is the gift that you need in that moment. Now, others may say something different. I heard something not too long ago I really liked that probably the greatest gift of all the gifts was the gift of wisdom because we never have too much wisdom and we need more wisdom. But covetly, earnestly go after and covet the best gifts. Dory's father years ago, I heard him say, you get what you go after. You want gifts, go after gifts, you'll get gifts. You get what you go after. We can also go after some things that won't be a blessing in our life. I can promise you. You go after sinful things, you're going to get all kinds of trouble. You're going to get something, but you're not going to enjoy it. Moving right along. The gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of revelation, gifts that reveal word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Lord, help that work in my life. The gifts of communication, those gifts that help us speak supernaturally and communicate the heart of God. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. The gifts of power, these gifts that demonstrate supernaturally divine creative intervention, faith, healing, and working of miracles. Now listen very carefully. The gifts of the Spirit, they're not trophies. They're not talents. They're not toys or traits, but they're tools. They're gifts from Jesus Christ by the power of God's Spirit. Tools for touching and transforming people by the power of Jesus. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not trophies. They're not spiritual merit badges that say we've arrived and we're at some level of spiritual stardom. I've got trophies. I've got a lot of them for my, well, I don't have them anymore. I took them apart and put them in the box because God told me to get rid of them. Sporting trophies. I used to play sports. I had them in my house. And I liked my trophies, didn't I? And I, I liked to talk about, you know, how good I was back in those days, didn't I? And one day, the Lord said, take them apart and put them in the box. And Dory came in. She goes, what are you doing? I said, God told me to take them apart and put them in a the box. She goes, really? I said, yeah. My mom called me several years ago. She said, son, I found this box of trophies that were taken apart. She goes, what were you thinking? I said, God told me to, Mom. She goes, you want them back? I said, no, throw them away. 
She goes, well, I'm going to keep them. I said, no, don't keep them. Just throw them away. Gifts of the Spirit aren't trophies. It's not a trophy you set in your, on your mantle or wherever. I'm not against trophies. You see, when God uses us, it should be humbling. God is using King's Chapel. May God continue to use King Chapel. But it's humbling, not exalting. Let God do the exalting. We know we didn't do it. God did it. There's no room for showboating or spirituality. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're not toys. They're not given for personal or private pleasure. They're given for service. They're given to edify the body of Christ. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not talents. The ability to make a crippled man from birth walk was not the result of Peter and John being this great doctor. They had no medical knowledge that we know of. Luke knew how to write about it. They had no surgical skills. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're not traits because we're smart or we, 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 we have a lot of knowledge or we're an intellectual in certain areas. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are tools, supernatural Holy Ghost anointed tools, tools for every day and everywhere, tools that are used in life in ministry to change people's lives, given by God so that we might have an impact on the lives of others. That's why we're to earnestly go after spiritual gifts, study them, pray for it, pray in the Spirit over it. Can what happened in Acts chapter 3, can it happen today? Do you believe it can happen today? Jesus healed in many ways, and all of them were miraculous. On 21 occasions, he healed through the spoken word. He literally spoke the word, and people were healed. 13 times, he healed by touching someone. He reached out, and he laid his hands on them, and they were healed. Nine times, people were healed in the course of preaching and teaching. He was declaring the word of the living God, and people were healed. Another eight times, he healed because someone other than the sick person demonstrated faith in him. Sometimes we need a collection of the faithful in God who have faith in their hearts and lives to pray for us. Four times on seven occasions, he healed because the sick person had the faith to be healed. Four times Jesus healed because he was moved with compassion. At least one time he healed when someone touched him. The lady pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus knew that the anointing of healing had left his body. Listen carefully, friends. We need the miraculous in operation and demonstration. We need it in Alaska. We need it in our ministries. We need it in our churches. Postmodern people, they are too broken to be fixed through simple human caregiving. And I'm all about taking care of people and looking after people and counseling and spending time with them. But friends, today people are broken and only a supernatural healing of what God can do in His body, the body of Christ, through His church. Will they find the answer and find deliverance? The worship team would return. Can it happen today? I believe it has to happen. I believe it will happen. I believe it is happening. Can you say amen? 
two reasons only God's power can put broken people back together. There's probably a collection of testimonies here today of people that could testify of how the power of God put their lives back together, put their marriages back together, gave them a job, gave them hope, set them free. The demonstrations of God's power readies the people to declare the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. A powerless declaration doesn't do a whole lot, but a powerful declaration will do more than you can think or imagine. You see, it's the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing upon the Word that touches the heart. We're just the vessel. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that draws them. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes on them and moves in them. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that changes them. Crowds gathered to hear the message because they, they couldn't miss the miracle. This man went walking and leaping and praising God. And the crowd came and they assembled. And again, they were asking, what does this mean? How could this happen? Acts chapter 8, verse 6 of Philip's ministry, it says, When the crowds saw the miraculous sign that he, Philip, did, they all paid close attention to what he said. Don't be afraid of the moving and working of God. Don't be afraid of miracles, signs, and wonders that God wants to do in our lives and around our lives and on behalf of us and others. Let God move. Let Him work. Let Him have His way. Let Him show up and show off. I promise you, it'll draw the crowds. It'll draw people. As I said in my opening this morning, that unfortunately power is used to intimidate, make subjects out of people. It's used to get ahead, stay ahead, diminish, destroy anyone who gets in the way but this power we're talking about today is power in the kingdom of God and it's got an entirely different purpose just the opposite as a matter of fact the power of Jesus promised and provided through the person of the Holy Spirit it's not a power to intimidate it's not a power to impress it's a power to have a significant impact so never forget the power of Pentecost is for people. It's for you. And it knows no respecter of persons. There's no little Holy Spirit and adult Holy Spirit. It's for the kids. It's for the youth. It's for the adults. It's for the young and old alike. It's for those that's been serving God for a long time, and it's for those who's just started out serving God. It's for the mature. It's for the immature in Christ it's for everybody it's the answer to the paralysis the sickness and brokenness of our world that's what Acts 3 is all about what happened a man crippled and limited from birth is given liberty and life why did it happen it happened because two men Peter and John were faithful they were focused and they were full of God's Spirit and can it happen today? Absolutely. Only God's power can put people back together again. And only the preaching and teaching of God's Word is 
what will draw them in. The power of God readies us to declare the truths of God. If you're here this morning, you need a miracle in your life. Maybe it's a miracle of healing, finance. Maybe you need a miracle in your home. Maybe you need a miracle with your children. Maybe you need a job. Maybe deep down inside, you're struggling. Maybe today you come in and you're dealing with some depression or anxiety or fear. And you'd like to receive prayer this morning. I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you're sitting, and I want to pray for you. Maybe I didn't cover what your miracle is. Maybe you need a miracle, but I didn't mention it. God knows what it is. I don't need to know, but God knows. God knows what it is. For those of you that are standing, I want you to lift your hands toward heaven, and I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you see each and every one of these vessels that are standing before you this morning with hands uplifted. God, you see their need. You know what's going on in their lives. Lord, we ask that you would touch them right now. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit flow from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. God, we pray that life-transforming power would intervene into the midst of their circumstance. Intervene, God, in the midst of their family or their finances or their health. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask that you'd touch them and you'd bless them. I'm going to ask the rest of the congregation to stand with me this morning. All across the building, please stand. God, we thank you for this collection of saints that you have brought together, known as King's Chapel. And to God be the glory, led by pastors Daniel and Karen Bracken. Lord, we ask today that your anointing would rest upon this collection of, of, of godly people, of hungry people, of thirsty. God, you said if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'd be filled. And I just sense in my spirit, God, there's a collection of hungry and thirsty people. The community of King's Chapel, whether they come at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m. on Sunday, God, they're your people. So anoint them for your purposes. And God, as they go out from this place, I pray that you'd use them in this community, in the Matsu Valley, in this region, God, across this state, and maybe if you would so lead around the world. We're believing and trusting you for good things, God. And God will be ever so careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor all the days of our life. And as long as there's breath within our lungs, God, we owe you praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Pastor. Amen. Put your hands together for Superintendent Bill Welsh. Wonderful. You may be seated. Ushers, would you assist us? Great work. Wonderful. If you need an envelope you're giving is we're going to give a love gift to our superintendent bill making that check make it out to kc the entirety of this offering will go towards their love offering their honorarium you can utilize the uh, text to give functions push pay all, also through the uh, the website great work While, while envelopes are being passed out, um, there's uh, just a couple words of knowledge I have, and I'm just going to release those. If they're for you, you take them, apply it. May God give you your miracle. There's a number of people here that are struggling uh, with identity, confusion, caused uh, like a rift in your soul, and the Lord is uh, healing that now. You've come to the right place. You've come to the right place, and, he, and He's healing you. In fact, there's healing 
that's taking place over families right now and marriages uh, and, and children, children that are separated from the home. Those who've made some choices that have been, they're, they're, they're wayward, if you will. They're, they're apart. There's a rift. There's division. There's strife. I, I break that now off of your house, off of your home. I pray the blessing of God, the, the healing power of God in their lives, in yours, like a balm just being poured out over homes all across this house and those online. In the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you. Ushers, would you come? If you're not right with God, I implore you, I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to Him. There really is a place called hell, and it was never created for you. But that's the place that you and I would go to if we had not repented of our sin and received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Where are you today? I'm going to come back to you in just a second. Lord, I pray a blessing upon the gift and the giver. Magnify and multiply a hundredfold towards the Welsh family and towards their kids and their grandchildren and even the ministry here in Alaska and wherever you send them. Thank you for the gift that they are to the assemblies of God. Thank you for my friend. Lord, bless them, prosper them, divine health and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. You're here. You're not right with God. Don't leave this place. Don't leave this place without being reconciled to him. He loves you. He's reaching to you through this message and through my voice now. Make a decision for Jesus. Don't play church. Don't, don't, don't play church. You, you, can't, you can't get into heaven on your own or by going to a church any more than a monkey can become part of the human race by wearing a suit. You, you must be born again. You must be born again. Are you born again? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you have it, don't you leave this place just a moment longer and we're done. You haven't been born again. You haven't given your heart to Jesus. Won't you do it now? Just pray this prayer all across this place. Pray with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Come into my heart. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me, let me pray for you. Would you just lift your hands to heaven? That's where your help comes from. Let the power of your Spirit come upon this congregation. Let the gifts of the Spirit be released in a magnified way. Lord, not only here, but into our community, into the highways and byways. Lord, I pray a release of boldness, the fire and the power of the Spirit of God, the gifts to be in operation. I pray the blind to see, the lame to walk, the mute to speak. Release the gifts of the Spirit, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, across this place, in our families, in our homes, in our jobs, in Fred Meyer, in Walmart. God, let people get out of wheelchairs. Let a boldness come upon us silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. May we be mindful of what we have, the resurrected power of the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And we thank you and we praise you for it. Would you stand up on your feet? If you prayed that prayer and you, and you, and you meant it, you, you gave your heart to Jesus, you just see Pastor Vince uh, all the way, and he'll be in the lobby and some of our leaders back there at the, at the information desk. Thank you for coming today.